Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that we have to come and study together. Lord, we pray that you'd please be with us now. Guide us with your Holy Spirit. Lead us into all truth, O Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're starting there in verse 30. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 and 31, we'll be reading there. Hebrews 11, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So it looks like there are two stories here. The walls of Jericho and the faith of Rahab. The study is entitled The Faith of Rahab, but really we can't separate these two stories from each other as they are really the same story connected as Rahab is living in the city of Jericho when those walls came crumbling down. Now, look, Rahab is mentioned in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, in the lineage of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus. She plays a very, very important role, and there's a very important lesson that we can learn from this. But there are two stories, and we are going to start with Rahab first, even though the verses here start in verse 30 with the walls of Jericho. So let's go to the Old Testament story, shall we? Let's turn the Bible to Joshua chapter 2. And starting in verse 1, Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1. Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Look, friends, Matthew chapter 1, talking about the genealogy of Jesus. There are five women that are mentioned there. And the amazing thing about the genealogy of Jesus is that not one of these women are considered good reputation or good women in the eyes of the world. Rahab here is a prostitute. And she's also a heathen person. She's not of God's people, the children of Israel. Israel. She's of the city of Jericho. Verse 2, And was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. So look, Rahab was willing to help the spies that had come to spy out Jericho from the children of Israel. Why though? I mean, was she a traitor? It seems that way, right? But look at her response. Look at what she says to these two spies after the men from the city of Jericho came to her house and they've run off looking for them in a different direction. Let's jump down to verse 9. And she said unto the men, 
I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She said, I know that the Lord, even though it hasn't happened yet, the Lord has given you this land already. Verse 10, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more any courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. God had worked obviously um, the signs that he was the true God. And Rahab was pointing out the source of her belief, the source of her faith as to why she was willing to help these people. Terror had come upon everybody that had been living in Jericho. But why? And not just Jericho, but the surrounding cities or nations. There were two instances and two stories that she points out as to why she has such faith. God has given you this land already, even though they had not even conquered it yet. What were the two stories or the two instances? The first, the Red Sea, the drying of the Red Sea and how the Israelites moved through it. The second was what? How the two kings, Sihon and Og, I don't know if I'm saying their names right or not, but these were the two kings that the children of Israel had conquered. Now they had conquered more than that, but these two seemed to stand out that she chose to mention. Now let's look at the drying of the Red Sea. It was 40 years ago, remember? Joshua is the leader. 40 years ago, they came out. This Jericho is the first city that they're about to conquer going into the land of Canaan. But for 40 years, they've just been going round and round in the desert. And so Rahab, she still remembered it. 40 years earlier, this story inspired faith in her heart that when she saw this 40 years ago, she had already probably made the decision that God, He's that true God that is guiding this children of Israel. This story had inspired faith in her heart. Faith to believe that God was with them and that He was the God in heaven above. That's what she says there. And in the, in, and in the earth beneath. It brought her to the point that she believed that they would be victorious over Jericho even before it happened, that she would plead for the life of her family and her brothers and her sisters. Amazingly, it wasn't the parting of the River Jordan that had happened just in the previous chapter, Joshua chapter 1, that inspired faith in our hearts. Why? Because the Red Sea experience was not only a deliverance, but it was 
it was not just a, a big miracle, but it was the, the, the crushing defeat and blow to the Egyptian armies as well and Pharaoh himself. It was a big instance of God showing them him that he was the true God. So in one instance, it was hurting to the Egyptians and inspired fear in some people. But on the other hand, it inspired faith in the heart of Rahab. You know, friends, sometimes God gives us signs and depending how alert we are and how soft our heart is and how open our eyes are and willing to listen and to look, we might miss the point that God is giving us evidence that He is the true God. But that wasn't the only instance. The other one was what? The two kings, Sihon and Og. They are both found in Numbers chapter 21. Okay, and uh, we don't have to go there. I'm not going to go through and read the text, but you can go there. The second half of Numbers 21. First, it talks about King Sihon. He was the king of the Amorites. And the Israelites, they were just asking to go through his land. They were not going to drink any water. They weren't going to touch anything. They just wanted to pass through. But he refused. And not only did he refuse, he came out with all his army to fight against them. And obviously, the Israelites won, right? But right after that, King of Og, he was the king of Bashan. And the same thing happened. He came out with all his army and he fought against them and he lost as well. Numbers 21, it takes place after the children of Israel reached the borders of Canaan for the first time, the 12 spies, they have gone in to spy the land. The children of Israel didn't believe. It was about a year after the, the Red Sea and they, they started going around in the desert. And so it was probably early on, but friends, Rahab remembered these two instances, the two kings and the Red Sea crossing. And it inspired faith in her heart, that she held on to it, that when these two spies came to spy out Jericho, she remembered this. She never forgot those instances, even though she herself was never there. And she had enough faith to believe this being that is with them truly is the God of heaven above and of the earth beneath. Joshua chapter 2 verse 18 now. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home to thee. And it shall be that whoso shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and he will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. So they gave her a promise, but if you want us to save your life, you got to bind this scarlet thread outside the window of your house. And as soon as they left, guess what? Verse 21. And she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet line in the window straight away. She didn't wait a day. She didn't wait a week. She made sure that her, her salvation, her safety would be assured of by doing that immediately. You know, some people might have called her rash. 
Some people might have said, you acted impetuously without thinking about it. But friends, you know what? When we know what is right, when we are convicted by the truth of what we know already, let's not wait a day nor even an hour. Let's make sure we put into practice immediately that which we know is correct. And, you know, we know that Rahab would be saved eventually. But before we move on in this story, I'd like to look at one thing that is always pointed out about Rahab, and that's her lying. You know, when the, when, when the, the soldiers came to look for the two spies, Rahab sent them off a different way, lying, say they had gone that way when they were hiding in her rooftop. People always like to bring this out and stating as if, hey, it's okay to lie. And even it seems that James, in the book of James, James commends her for it. In James chapter 2, verse 25, the Bible says this, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way. It's almost as if God is commending Rahab for lying. But we know that's not the case. Look, why was it okay for Rahab to lie in this instance? Friends, you got to remember, she did what she thought was best to the uh, her ability and her circumstance at that time. She was a heathen person. She was not an Israelite. She didn't know better. She was a harlot. She lived in the slums, probably the worst of the worst. And so, you know, friends, she lived up to the light that she knew of at that time. Maybe a few years later, she wouldn't have the excuse. She was with the children of Israel. She knew about the Ten Commandments already. And God said, do not lie. But at the time that she was housing those spies, she did not know better. Her experience is summed up in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. This is what the Bible says. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You know, friends, she did not know any better. That's the case that we see with Abraham when he lied about his wife, um, Sarah, being his sister. It seemed like God blessed him, right? But it wasn't God that really blessed him. It was Pharaoh that blessed him because he thought that Abraham was his sister. You know, friends, I'm not going to go over the ground of Abraham again, but he didn't know better. And sometimes, friends, you can't look at riches as being blessings. Sometimes it can be a curse. So if you want to go back and study that, you just go back to our study on the faith of Abraham, part one. I go through that situation, why it seemed like when Abraham lied, God blessed him even more. Friends, that was not the case. The devil knows our weakness. And some of us, our weakness is our riches, is is the possessions that we have. It's these things that sometimes cause us to forget God. And so sometimes it's not a blessing from God, it's a curse from the devil. But Rahab, she was a pagan. She was the worst of the worst, but she acted on the best of her ability as to what she knew and what she thought was correct. 
And as a result, she was saved. Joshua chapter 6, verse 25. Let's turn our Bibles there. Joshua 6, 25. And Joshua saved Rahab, the harlot, alive, and her father's household, and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. By faith, she was saved. By faith, she was spared. It was because of her faith and her belief in the words of what the spies had said, but even then, because of what she had experienced, not even experienced, what she had seen, or maybe even just only what she had heard about the stories of the Red Sea and the stories of the two kings. You know, in that sense, friends, Rahab is no different from us. Rahab didn't see the Red Sea experience. I don't think Jericho, you could see the Red Sea from where they were. There were no photographs back then. It was just by word of mouth, right? And it was up to us, the person, to believe it or not. Sometimes when we read the Red Sea experience, none of us were there either. None of us were there in creation. None of us were there to see that pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. None of us were there to see the manna raining down from heaven. None of us were there to see Peter walk on water. None of us were there to see the sun stand still or even move back 10 degrees. We've heard all these things. We've read it with our own eyes, which is as good as hearing. But it still is up to us to believe. And when Rahab heard those things... It inspired faith in her heart, faith to believe, faith to trust that this group that was coming, they had the true God and that faith would eventually save her as well. Friends, how is your faith this evening? How is your walk with Jesus? Do you trust and hold on to every word that is there in the Word of God, in the Bible? Do you believe it with all your heart and do you allow God to will in you to do of His good pleasure because of these words. Now, let's continue and look at the walls of Jericho. Somehow, this situation was important enough for Paul to mention in Hebrews chapter 11. But let's go to Joshua chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. So for six days in a row, they would march around the city one time. Verse 4, And the seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns, and the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpets, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Friends, you know, this is very interesting. This is what you call modern warfare. It's off the wall. It's unimaginable. It's why would God tell us 
to do this sort of um, fighting, isn't it? Once again, we don't see anywhere in history any context of where God has ever done this before. March around the city one time um, each day for six days, and on the seventh day, march around it how many times? Seven days, uh, seven times, shout at the wall, and it will come crumbling down. This had never ever happened before, and this would not happen again. For the rest of the Bible, we don't see anything of this sort. Now, what's interesting here as well that has taken place at this time, there's no more pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. The Israelites are entering into Canaan and God, He doesn't need to lead them anymore because they have arrived. That's the first thing. The second thing, the manna stops just before that. You read in Joshua chapter 5, verse 12, that on that day, the manna just stopped. The no more cloud, no more fire, no more manna. And the Lord only communicated directly with Joshua. He didn't tell all of Israel to come and say, let me tell you what I want you to do. So it was left up to the people as to whether they wanted to listen to the words of Joshua or not. Look, Joshua was not a new face. They had been familiar with Joshua. He was one of the 12 spies. So he'd been around for a long time, the whole 40 years. But he was a new leader. Moses had just passed away and Joshua would step in. But of course, it was not their first encounter with Joshua as a leader. Why? Back in Joshua chapter 1, remember, God gave the instruction through Joshua for the children of Israel to walk across the river Jordan. Now, there were no enemies chasing them this time. It wasn't as urgent and as serious, but nonetheless, it was a miracle. The parting of the river Jordan to allow the children of Israel to walk through to the other side and then stand before Jericho. It's almost as if God is reminding the children of Israel, this is what I wanted to do with you at the very beginning. But God in His mercy, He puts His, His trust in Joshua and He tells the children of Israel, I am working through this man. But the instruction that is given here in Joshua chapter 6 is just really different. March around one time each day for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around seven times and just shout and the walls will come crumbling down. Isn't that so weird? It was left up to the children of Israel whether they wanted to believe the words of Joshua or not. There was no visible presence of an angel guiding them. They could have reasoned in their hearts and said, what type of movements is this that we're making to overthrow the city? It just seems ridiculous to march around the city and blow a horn. And then you, you want us to shout at the walls? Is that really going to help? And why do we have to march around it seven times on the seventh day? Why not just one time? Shouldn't we be conserving our energy instead of marching and walking so much? Jericho wasn't a small city, you know. They had to march probably like 100 kilometers if they were going to march around the city seven times. It was not just a small little town. It was a major 
fortress, a major city. We know that because the next city they would conquer is Ai, and they said, oh, this, this city is much smaller. We don't need to send that many troops. So Jericho was definitely a huge city, and it made no sense what Joshua was telling them. There was no history to go back on. See, this is what God did in the past, so we're going to do it again. They had to choose to believe the very words of Joshua. And you know, friends, the time that it took for them to march around the city seven times, it gave them time to build their faith, to strengthen their faith and develop it. Just like how Abraham, when God came to Abraham with a command to sacrifice his son Isaac, he had a few days of walking to Mount Moriah, a few days to think about it, a few days to grab hold of God's command. So did the Israelites. They had seven days to think about this and to develop faith. God wanted to impress upon their minds from the beginning that it's not about man's wisdom or his might, but salvation is to be found wholly on the Lord. You know, God was trying to teach them that they had to get used to relying fully on His Word and His Word alone for strength, for salvation, and especially for victory. You know, friends, God wants us to do that today as well. He wants us to to trust Him in His Word wholly. He wants to give us great victories in our lives. And, you know, God's ways, many times, if not majority, if, if not all the time, God's ways are not our ways. God doesn't see as man sees on the outward appearance. God, when He does this, He's testing not only the, the people in Jericho and giving them time to repent and, and to, to live there in uh, Rahab's house, but He's also giving the children of Israel time to think and to pray and to, to see whether they want to go ahead with this or not and believe God's words or not. And, you know, we have to come to this point of trusting in Him and His Word alone. The reason why so many of us don't have strength is because we trust to our own wisdom and we don't even give the Lord an opportunity to reveal His power for us. Many times we don't take the first step because we don't believe because it sounds too ridiculous, it sounds too outrageous, it sounds out of this world that God would ever even work this way, shouting at a wall and it would come crumbling down. And we reason away God's word before we even give Him an opportunity to work or before giving ourselves an opportunity to step forward in faith. You know, maybe they're scared of people of Jericho mocking them. So they don't want to do it. They had many, many reasons. And humanly, from the human standpoint, they could have had many excuses as to why they shouldn't. But friends, we've got to trust Him. Why? Because God will help us if we believe in Him. And in every emergency, we place our entire confidence in Him and faithfully obey Him. He will certainly come through for us. So walking around Jericho, it was a test for the children of Israel. They passed it. Their faith was inspired through the passing of the River Jordan already. And they were willing to believe the Word of God 
through Joshua. Joshua didn't have a hidden agenda. And even as us sometimes as pastors, we don't have a hidden agenda except to communicate to the people what the Lord has told us. Friends, are you struggling with maybe a man's word? Maybe you've gone to this certain church and you go, oh, that's just him. But have you tested it with the Word of God? Have you gone back to the Word of God to investigate, to see if these things be so or not? And as you have seen it, have you trusted that God is the one that is guiding? No matter how outrageous or off the wall this command might have been, just like Abraham when God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac. The command was clear. The instruction was clear. And the walls of Jericho would not have come falling down if the children of Israel did not follow the instruction of God in every particular. Now, here's the thing, though. When the walls came crumbling down, do you think the Israelites thought, hmm, it's because of me? Of course not. What did you do? You just walked around it. You just shouted at the wall. Friends, if I shouted at a wall, not even a wall that is fortifying a city, if I just shouted at one little brick wall in my house, my room there, I shouted it at it and it fell down, I would be totally shocked. And I know that not for a second would I look at myself and go, hmm, I'm some amazing person because I shouted at the wall and it came falling down. I would not even think that for a moment. I would know that this power not from me, but from God, made it happen. But it would not have happened if the children of Israel did not follow in every particular what God had instructed them. Do you see that, friends? God's command was clear. Weird as it may have sounded, it was clear. Walk around it one time for six days each day, and on the seventh day, seven times, and then shout at it. We can't always go based on history as to how God works, will work, or not work. You know, in Genesis, there are three famines. There are three famines. And each time it happens to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. There were three famines in the lives of uh, these guys, one each. To Abraham, when the famine took place, God said, go down to Egypt. To Jacob, when the famine took place, this is the most famous of all the famines because Joseph was in Egypt already, God said to Jacob, go down to Egypt. But when the famine happened in the life of Isaac, God said, don't go to Egypt. He could have pointed to his father, Abraham, and said, "Uh, but you told my father, Abraham, to go. And not only that, he was blessed when he went to Egypt. I should go too. He could have reasoned that out. But friends, God doesn't go based on track history of how he's done things even in the past. We can't always look to the Old Testament stories and all these lessons of faith and put God in a box and saying, this is how God is going to work. Sometimes it makes no sense, friends. The command is clear. I'm not saying that it makes no sense like, God, what do you want me to do? But the command is clear. I just don't know the reason why. This is where we have to trust God and to step out in faith 
to believe Him, to trust Him, that He knows what is best for us at that appointed time. Is God asking you to step out in faith today, friends? The instruction or command that has come from the Bible into your life, is it clear today? Is what He wants you to do clear? Is Jesus waiting for you to step out in faith? Whether it be the Sabbath, whether it be on health, whether it be in in those Ten Commandments that He's given to us, whatever it is, the calling in your life, the person He doesn't want you to marry or date, are these commands clear? And sometimes we can't see beyond our present situation and our our faith, It, it, it wavers for a second. But friends, I want to encourage you this evening to trust God, to hold on to Him no matter the situation. Why? He loves you and He wants the very best for you, not just in the future in heaven when He's going to come to take you home there, but even in this life today. He loves you, my dear brother and sister. He loves you so much. He wants to give you the best even in this life. He wants to bless you. And sometimes the blessings come in the weirdest of ways, contrary to the ways of the world. Contrary even sometimes to our own way and to our will. But friends, let's learn to trust God no matter the situation today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you for your word that comes so clearly to each and every one of us. Only help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to have faith in you. Help us to believe with all our hearts. Help us to love you, O Father. And when your word comes to us, give us the courage to step forward and obey. Help us to put in our hearts and minds that we're going to follow every particular of your word in this coming week, in our lives, in this future that we have ahead of us, that we will trust you no matter the circumstance. And so, Father, please, Help us to put our best foot forward and that when we do, help us to see the miracles and your deliverance and your blessing and the victories that you wish to give in our life today. Thank you, O Lord, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.